Morning, church. How's it going? It's funny, I was like, there's not going to be very many people in church at all on Labor Day weekend. And then I was like, it's raining. They have nothing else to do right now. (laughs) Joke's on us. (laughs) You know, we were, um, my husband and I have been talking about, you know, know, trying to find the blessings in the hard places, right? Because that's always something good to do. And um, one of the really big blessings that our neighborhood, at least, has found out of the pandemic times is we've cultivated this really great outdoor neighboring kind of culture. It kind of started because, like, right, Krista, you live on my street, you know. It started because, you know, no one knew anything about the pandemic, right? We didn't know if we could get anywhere near people. We didn't know if we were safe in any space. So what we kind of started to do was let the kids hang out in the front yards with some space between them, but we did it a lot more often because they weren't like having play dates in the house, right? But then kind of as we started doing that more, we realized that like kids weren't able to have regular birthday parties. So we got everybody's phone number on our block and when a kid had a birthday, you text out your address and you say, party at my house at three o'clock today, and you just throw out a bunch of popsicles and the whole neighborhood comes to the front yard. And then we were having so much fun doing that that we started doing backyard happy hours for the adults. And then we started having fun doing all of that, so everybody started joining in. So one of my kids' birthdays was two weeks ago, and um, I hadn't done it yet. I hadn't, like, texted the chat to, like, invite people to my house, but I was like, I'll give it a go. We'll see what happens. Maybe, like, ten people will show up. So I was like, hey, Andrew's birthday was this week. I bought cupcakes. If anyone wants to come over at 7, I don't know. At, like, 6.55, you look down the street, and it's like a swarm of people coming down the sidewalks. 35 people in my front and backyard. Like, all it took was cupcakes, juice boxes, and we had the nicest time. We had these deep conversations with our neighbors that stayed till like 10 o'clock at night. We have like these really good friendships. Our kids, like, they all walk home from school because it's Lakewood and that's how we roll because it's 1950s. Uh, And um, we don't like to spend money on bussing. Um, Whatever, it's fine. I actually think it's fine. Um, But so the kids all walk home together. So then some of the sweet retired ladies on the block realized, I don't have grandchildren yet and I like kids. So this sweet grandma lady has her chairs that she pulls out five minutes before she knows the kids are gonna come. And she sets her little chairs out and she goes in her house and she brings out snacks for the kids. So all the kids know to stop at Grandma Margaret's, who all the parents have met during the pandemic and know is a safe person, for a popsicle and a high five and to tell her about their day. And this is like this beautiful source of community that we get to enjoy. It was really funny, my sister lives with us, and um, she came home uh, during the giant party at my house a couple weeks ago, and she like, I didn't tell her, because I thought like 10 people are gonna come, okay? I didn't think it was gonna be like a swarm. So she gets out of her car, and this like swarm of kids is like, who are you? What are you doing here? She's like, this is my house, I live here! (laughs) 
But you know, one of the funny things about this culture we have is there's like 25 kids in my backyard. On any given time, I send out one text. So what happened was my husband and I are in the front yard chatting with a bunch of the parents and whatever, all the kids are in the back, and a kid cried. And so you see the inexperienced parents or the parents who, or the people who don't have kids yet, the people who just have a little baby, they're like, oh my gosh, someone's crying. And all of us who are like three plus deep, you know, those veteran parents, we have like permanent bags under our eyes, right? Like we have grays that aren't like godly, that just spring up, right? So, so what we do is this. Hold on. That's my kid. Hold on. Mm-mm. That's not a hurt cry. No, they're offended, but not sad, angry. I'm going to let them try conflict resolution independently. We'll give it two minutes, then I'll take a look back, right? Because you can tell as a parent, and even parents who don't have many kids, I'm just joking, but like, that's a fact, right? Y'all can tell the difference between a hurt cry and a mad cry, right? There is a level of injustice that comes through in that holler that does not come through when they've fallen off the swing, right? There's a cry that, like, you will bolt to that backyard, hell or high water, because you know that child is injured. But you also know that's rare, is what that is. So you just kind of remain aware of what's going on back there. You keep your kind of attuned, right? But you can discern what's happening. And so this morning, we're talking about that type of thing. We're talking about discernment not applied to like what kind of cry that is, but applied to our life. Because there's a lot in the Bible and there's a lot in our own lives that we, that we discern, right? The Bible talks about discernment a lot. And here's the text that we're gonna use as like our jumping off point to talk more about it. First Thessalonians 5, 19 through 22. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what's good. Reject every kind of evil. So what this talk is talking about is that, like, not everything that people say is from God is from God. But lots of stuff that people or you think is God might be God, Right? That there's this great balance that we're always trying to strike as Jesus followers. Not to be so skeptical that we just dismiss things out of hand as that couldn't possibly be God. God would never want me to give a thousand dollars to so-and-so. That would never be him, right? Or, well, there's a preacher on TV and he said that if I gave him everything in my savings account that, like, God would bring me a spouse, so I'm going to do it, right? There's this testing the Bible talks about as being really important, and that's the process of discernment, is trying to figure out, God, is is this you? Is this me? Is this evil? Like, what is going on here? So um, we're not going to talk too much about the prophetic specifically today, only because we're talking about it in depth in a month, and we really want to take like a whole Sunday just for that. So this morning we're talking about discernment in our lives. What does it look like to live a life where we're discerning well, where we're testing the things that we're thinking about, testing what we should be doing in particular situations? 
So discernment, well, before we go further, let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you're here. God, thank you that you met us in worship. Thank you that you meet us in the small places of our lives, the places that we don't think are significant to you. I thank you that you're meeting us this morning. And so, Lord, as we go deeper into your word, we ask that the Holy Spirit would stir up our hearts to receive in places deeper than we knew possible. And we thank you for your son, Jesus. Amen. All right, so discernment is at its core tied to wisdom. So if wisdom is the noun, discerning is the verb. It's not exactly like that. English people, don't come at me. But it's similar, right? Like discernment has like a testing. People who are wise discern things without even realizing what they're doing. The Hebrew Dictionary um, breaks discernment down into kind of three parts. One is to show oneself attentive, so to pay attention. Two is to perceive, to notice, and three is to understand. And I was like, I thought that was actually pretty great when I was hunting because, um, because sometimes discernment can feel too heady, right? It can feel a little too woo-woo. Like, oh, that's for people with a gift. But I kind of think, and the Bible thinks, I'm just saying, uh, gifts are for everybody, right? Discernment is for all of us. And we're discerning all the time without realizing it. So it's helpful to have a framework on what the process looks like in our lives. So to pay attention, to perceive, and to understand. So showing oneself attentive or paying attention. Psalm 139 says this, 7 through 12. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. We walk and move and live our lives in the presence of God and don't even realize it sometimes. It's like when I'm in the front yard talking to the neighbors. I am aware, even in my conversation with them, that my kids are in the backyard and my ear is attuned to noises from that direction. Have you ever been on call for your job? Back in the day, it's a pager, right? Or it's a cell phone or it's a walkie-talkie or whatever it is. And you're going about your regular life, but your ear and your, like, you know, feeling you have in your pocket is very attuned to your emergency cell phone, right? Like, you're paying attention because you know at any minute you might be called upon to perform a duty on behalf of your employer. And so this is the same kind of idea 
that we are remaining aware of the presence of God around us and also aware of the fact that we need to pay attention because we may be called upon by God to work on his behalf at any point, right? The antennas of our spiritual lives are up at all times to say, God, what are you doing here? Where are you at work here? What do I need to do? We're just aware. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? And I wonder as we're thinking about that, as we're thinking about the fact that the presence of God really is with us all the time, if we could grasp that fully, how would that change the way we live our lives? If you think about, think, take for a second and think about your low point this week. We all have them. Life's a stinker sometimes. Like, what was your low point? How would a deep, acute awareness that God Almighty is with you in that moment change that for you? You're still walking through the hard place, but when we are aware that the presence of God goes with us, is in us, is working on our behalf at all times, it changes things. Even if it doesn't change our circumstances, it changes our heart. So we feel shored up from within in a different way than if we're just relying on ourselves to get through the day. How would it change the last fight you had with your spouse, if you were aware that the Holy Spirit is standing right next to you, how would it change maybe the snippy tone you took with a friend or family member if you were acutely aware that the Holy Spirit of God was right with you? How would it change your heart if when you're feeling alone and unseen and uncared about, if you knew to the core of your being that the Holy Spirit of God was with you, holding you and loving you right where you were? It would change things, wouldn't it? And so when we're talking about discernment, the very foundation of that is saying, I need God to help me know beyond all knowledge that he is with me and he's speaking to me and he's trying to communicate to me and he's trying to get his heart and mind to connect even in the times and places I wouldn't have expected it. Becoming aware perceiving. So if we're paying attention first, right, we have kind of our, you know, we're in the front yard talking to our friends, metaphorically speaking, kids in the backyard. I'm listening, you know, I'm aware of where my kids are. Perceiving is hearing them, right? 
It's all very well and good to be like aware that God's doing stuff, but we have to be looking for him to speak to us or to communicate to us. And so sometimes that looks like just a feeling, right? Have you ever been in a situation and you just get like a pit in your stomach and you're like, get me out of here. There's something wrong. Have you ever had that? Right? You've been in danger and you don't know why, but you're like, something is bad here. Something is bad here. I had one time, someone had come over to my house. It was like an acquaintance of somebody's. I don't know, somebody's, who knows. Anyways, I had my little kid with me, one of my little ones. And it was a long time ago. And I knew that that man was unsafe. And I needed to get my kid away from him right now. He had not done a thing, but man, was my spirit going nuts. You can call it mama's intuition or whatever, but I'll say that the Holy Spirit speaks to mamas, right? But that's perceiving is to get the communication, message received. Isaiah 41, hmm, no, that wasn't what I was looking for. There we go. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way to go. Walk in it. Because we can be aware of the presence of God, but sometimes still feel like, what am I supposed to do here? You know, it's not even always that it's like a good option or a bad option, right? Like, God, what do you want from my life? God, uh, how am I, what am I supposed to do? Do, do I, you know, go to school? Do, do I work? Do I, like, how do I get involved? What, are, what do you want from me, God? And sometimes it feels like we're flying blind. Have you ever felt like that? I mean, I, I feel like I shouldn't feel like that, and you probably have felt that way too. Like, I really shouldn't, I feel like I, I feel bad about this. But you just feel like you're flying blind. Like, I'm doing the best I can with this life, God, but like, I don't know what you want from me. And I think that feeling is like super normal because there's a lot of options all the time. And I think with like the, you know, rise of the internet and technology, there's more options than ever, right? We're more aware, like, where do you go to college? Well, in my day, you got these flyers and they were sent to your house, right? And you read the flyers and you talked to the guidance counselor. Now, kids like, Google a thing, and there's like every college in the entire world. Good luck, kids, right? How do you know? Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way to go. Walk in it. So what does it look like? It isn't like a magic eight ball, right? Where we're like, okay, God, okay. Ready, God? I'm going to flip open my Bible. And if I point to a positive number, then it's a yes. If it's a negative number, it's a no. That's not quite what we're saying, right? And it's not quite that like, okay, God, yes, no, maybe. Yes, no, maybe. Sometimes what it feels like is just peace in a certain direction. Like when I graduated from college, I had the opportunity to um, go on to grad school and like study English and I got like a full ride from masters and blah, 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 that. Or there was like a couple really cool nonprofits that were kind of interested in me. 
or I had the chance to work here. And all these options were great. And all of them were exciting to me. I thought it would be really cool, it would be really fun. And it was really hard to know what God wanted. Just because this is a church doesn't mean this is where God wanted me necessarily, right? So, but what I did was I sat with each option as if it was going to be the one. And I paid attention to my insides. And I call it like the inner high five. But you know when you just get a feeling like this is good. Like this is right. Like yeah, this, this kind of clicks inside. It feels like your spirit's giving itself a high five. Like yes, this one. So when I would think about grad school, and I was like, cool, because I love school and studying, and then like, I could like, teach at the college. They would like, let me teach these remedial classes. I thought it would be really fun, and I'd always kind of want to do that. But when I, I got this sinking feeling inside, and I was like, okay, God, is this you? If, if, this, is, if this is what I'm supposed to do, then move my heart, God. But I would think about that, and I would get this sinking feeling. I'm like, okay, all right. And then the nonprofit that had all the stuff lined up called me and they were like, hey, I'm so sorry, all the funding fell through. And I was like, thank you. Like, amen. Amen. And then I talked to Dwight and he was like, hey, I thought it was going to be part-time, but here's this full-time thing. And it would be this and this and this and this, all the stuff that I thought would be like really fun and really cool. And that's what I ended up doing. And I think... It's when we're listening, not just to what the circumstances are saying, but in our hearts. Where's your heart, like, bubbling, right? Like, what's the things that you do that it feels like your heart's set on fire? That you're like, oh, I couldn't love this any more than I tried. I had this a moment this week, actually. I walked out the main doors, and I was like, Jesus, how is it I get to do this for a living? This is the best thing ever. That's not every day, but it was Thursday, and it was a great day, and I'm going to hold on to it. You know what I'm saying? But I think there's this thing, right, where our insides and our outside, like, opportunities, like, mesh, and you feel it. And so I think sometimes the voice behind you saying, this is the thing. It's doors that close. It's People in your life that speak wisdom to you, right? Like, you, you know, sometimes parents do a really nice job of this, or trusted friends, or whatever. Like, hey, help me discern this thing. Or sometimes it's your insides are like, I don't know why, but I know I can't do that thing. That's not right. It's a good opportunity. I should want to do it, but I just can't. Like, we we're going to sign our kids up for uh, this one sport or whatever this fall, and Steve had this, like, no way, which was crazy, because in the spring, we had talked about it, and he had said yes, and I was like a little miffed, frankly, because I was like, you said yes, and then it's no, and then I was like, not the nicest wife, whatever, uh, but okay, okay, like, I hear you, fine, I'm going to honor what God is putting inside you. Two weeks later, all the kids are in full swing of the things, and it totally made sense, why that wasn't the right thing for then. And it's these things, right, where like God puts little tiny things in our lives, in our hearts, that help us to turn. And so sometimes we have this feeling of God like he's up in heaven, like, I wonder if they're going to get it right. Well, I put the signals out. Hopefully dum-dum's going to pick them up, right? 
Like, we have this, like, fear. Like, God, okay, like, this is me. I don't know about y'all. Maybe you're better, more spiritual, whatever. I'm like, okay, God, this one, right? It's this. Is that it? Is that the right answer? Okay, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do it, right? We have this feeling that, like, God's up there, like, hope she doesn't mess it up this time. But the reality, and sometimes that can be from our family of origin, right? Like, sometimes if you're from a family that's a little <clears throat> hard on you, you might have that, or, or maybe it's your natural inclination to be like, you know, feeling like you have to do things on your own. Sometimes it's just humanity. Uh, but this is what the Bible says about that. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. There is no God up in heaven with his arms folded looking at us. There is only a God who holds us in the palm of his hand, who promises that he will take our hand and he will help us. Not only is he speaking, but he is leading and he is remaining alongside of us. And his posture toward us is this, always this, always helping, always loving, always sacrificing, and always mighty. He's not saying, I'm your friend who takes hold of your right hand and says, don't fear, I'll help you. I am the Lord your God. I am your creator. I am your source. I am your eternal judge, and I have your back in every area of your life, whether you deserve it or not. And that's the fact. And so as we're thinking, okay, I'm aware of the presence of God. I'm perceiving, I'm listening, I'm feeling. I am deeply aware that I'm not doing this on my own, but I'm doing this with the Lord. To understand, let's go back one. Nah, we'll go over there. Who knows? All right, there we go. So we're aware of what God's doing. We're listening, we're sensing, we're perceiving. And the last is we are understanding As we understand what God's doing, what he wants from us, we're able to line ourselves up with what he's already doing. We line ourselves up with his will. Galatians 5.25 says this, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. There can be this faulty mindset that we have, and I've caught it in myself Perhaps you have too. This is, okay, God, I'm going to do this. Please, please, please bless me. I mean, it's pretty normal. Do we not do this, like, all the time? Please. Do we not? Right? Come on. Come on. Right? Okay, God, doing this thing. Bless me, bless me, bless me. Instead of saying, God, what are you doing so that I can line up with you and enter into the blessing that is already there because this is your working. Not, God, put your blessing on me. God, I'm going to step into where you are so that I am blessed by extension. One of the things the church has been doing over the last few years is you know, we have this deep heart and commitment to the poor and marginalized. 
And so over the last couple years, we've been casting a really wide net in our community to see where are the gaps, where are the holes, where are the places that people are falling through the, the gaps, where are the places that people are not being paid attention to, where are the pain points in our community. And so we've reached out to a massive amount of organizations. We reach out to folks involved with human trafficking and folks involved with some refugee stuff and homelessness and uh, food prep and um, all kinds of places to see where folks are hungry for help. And what has come back over and over and over in our area is vulnerable seniors. And that honestly was not on my radar whatsoever. Story upon story of seniors here in North Olmstead who don't have money both for food and to pay to get their lawn cut, and because they are people of such dignity, they're prioritizing their lawn over their meals. Hear me, church. People within a half mile of our building who have lived their life in service to our community, to our neighbors, and to us by extension, are hungry and in their 80s. Oh my gosh. I spoke to a woman last year who hadn't had a fresh piece of produce in over 10 months because the food bank doesn't cover fresh produce where she lives. So the church ran her produce every week during the summer. I picked tomatoes out of my garden and had my husband drop it off at her apartment. Like the small things, right? Because we're just desperate to do anything. So like this week, the North, North Olmsted Senior Center, who we have this really vibrant relationship with, called and said, hey, I have a gentleman. He has a medical procedure on such and such day. He has no one who can take him. He's totally alone. And I just thought, maybe the church. And my answer to them is always, thank you so much. Christ the King will always serve. Absolutely. Do I have the person? new? No. But do I know our community? Oh, yes. And I know what we're about here. And what we are about is our Father's business. And if there is a person in our community who needs to go to the doctor and they're 80 years old and they can't take themselves, I'll be darned if Christ the King isn't going to be the place. Amen? So we got that sorted out. And then the next day, I got a text from the nursing home. And they were like, hey, our people haven't had visitors in so long. Do you think Christ the King can send some people this month to just play bingo and be a friend? Absolutely, Christ the King would be honored for the opportunity to serve people who haven't seen a friendly face in a really long time. And I'm not saying this to be like, woo, Christ the King. I'm saying this to be like, we don't know always what God wants us to do. But when we can see the thing he's already doing, and we can step into that, there's blessing. We weren't sure where we should direct our resources, right? Like, there's so many good just causes. Which ones do we pick? But then they come to us because we cast a net. And we find out what the Father's already doing is providing relationships and spaces for us to serve vulnerable seniors. 
What God's already doing is giving us favor with the city officials so that last winter, the mayor called the senior center and said, hey, can Christ the King get someone to shovel a driveway for me? We said, oh my goodness, yes, right? This is who we are. We are a people of blessing who step into what God is doing. And so we're aware of God. We're listening for him. And then we're getting the message loud and clear. And it's sometimes hard to discern because it's not always this is the right thing to do, this is the wrong thing to do, right? Like, it wouldn't be wrong for us to partner with any million of organizations, but the right one is hard to figure out sometimes. I had an opportunity, uh, like a month ago, to join the board of this organization I really, really love, and I'm like super passionate about, and I think it's like this awesome organization, and I was talking to her, and it was really exciting, but it was the weirdest thing ever. I'm having this conversation with a director, and like, my heart starts sinking. And being a person who tries really hard to be aware of God around me and to be listening and feeling for what God might be doing, I was like, Lord, why is my heart sinking while we're talking about this opportunity that would be so cool? But it totally was. And I was like, okay, okay. By the time she got done talking, I was like, this is a great opportunity, but for whatever reason, I think it's not now. And then she said, you know what? I think you're right. I think you need to focus on like your church and your family. I'm like, yeah, I do too. Right? We're both discerning this thing. We're having this, we're aware, we're listening, and I'm like, it's not that it's wrong, but it's not right for now. And so when we're trying to understand what God's doing, we're not looking for yes and no. We're looking for God is this now. And it might be that something you really want just isn't for now. Like my husband and I call um, this season of our life the family years. And because we used to get really bummed out, like, man, it would be cool to travel like some of these other people do. Man, it would be really cool to have like a couch that isn't stained all the time, right? It, wouldn't it be sweet to like have a family room that looks like you know, Toys R Us didn't explode. But we remind ourselves, this is the family years. These are the family years. I will never have an expensive couch. I will purchase my things off of Facebook Marketplace. I will be okay when someone juices something. These are the family years. And it's not that it's wrong to do those things, right? But it's the understanding of what's God have for me right now. Hebrews 5, 13 and 14 says, For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he's a child. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So when the Bible talks about meat and milk, it's talking about like maturity, right? Like spiritual maturity. Like obviously no one would judge, you know, Ella Corman from drinking from a bottle, right? She's a baby. This is expected, right? But perhaps if Cody walked into church with a bottle and started drinking during worship, we would be weirded out, right? In the same way, 
sometimes when you're like new to faith, it's okay that it, it takes a little bit to try to figure out the will of God, right? It's totally fine. It's totally fine that you kind of need some help sometimes. Like, I'll run things by Dwight that aren't even related to church. Like, hey, dude, I was thinking about this, but am I crazy to say? He's like, no, I like it. Or sometimes he'll be like, I think you're going to be really tired. I'm like, ooh, I am getting really tired. He's like, I don't know, man. Yeah, I mean, you can do whatever, but just think about how tired you're going to be. I'm like, oh, fair, fair, right? There's nothing wrong with needing the help, but the goal is that by constant practicing discernment, even on dumb stuff, even on stuff that might not matter a lot, we're not talking about like selling your house and like becoming a missionary in Guam. We're saying if we practice discerning the will of God for the small things, then when it's the bigger things, we're ready. We're used to hearing God. We're used to feeling what it feels like when our insides feel like, yeah, that's, that's right. Or that's, that's not good. Like, have you ever been in a meeting and people are talking and you're like, none of this is a good idea. None of this is a good idea. And I used to dismiss myself whenever I started feeling like that. Like, oh, it's probably just me. I'm probably just, <laughs> probably just dumb that I can't get on board with this. Or, oh, I'm probably just, you know, I'm probably just. But the more I got in the habit of discerning, the more I would say, God, if I hate this so much, Maybe there's something that needs to be changed here. Not that the idea is wrong, but maybe something else needs to be added. Or maybe the timing's wrong. So I'll say that. I'll be like, hey, sounds like a good idea, but I'm not feeling super awesome about the rollout. Or I'm feeling a little weird. Help me figure out what, what more we could do or how this could be done differently. Because I believe that the voice of God is behind me saying this is the way to go walk in it. And sometimes... I make a total mistake. Sometimes I'm absolutely wrong. But there is so much value in creating space in our hearts and lives just to hear God. I mean, the, the core of discernment is connection. That's all it is. It's connection with God that leads us to make good decisions or leads us to understand his character. I went to a counselor, and oh my gosh, counselors are so great, but they're human. You know what I'm saying? So I went to one. I was super depressed. I don't know, maybe a year and a half ago, something like that. I was really depressed, and uh, I was in her office, and she's like, so what's wrong? I'm like, I'm so depressed, and she's like, why? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> if I knew, I would just fix the thing, and she's like, well, you know, maybe, you know, she had a bunch of suggestions. I'm like, no. And she's like, then why are you here? I'm like, because I don't want to get out of bed in the morning. Because every time I open my eyes on my pillow, I'm like, oh God, please no. That, I feel, is a good indication that some therapy would be helpful. And so she emails me this long list of things I could be doing wrong that caused me to be depressed. Spiritual things I could be doing wrong. Like, uh, maybe you have some secret sin. And I'm like, honey child, I got plenty of sin. None of it is secret. <laughs> Talk to anyone who knows me. It's all out there, <laughs> right? But I read this list and my heart sank. And I was like, God, is this what you think of me? God, are you just so disappointed in me? 
and that's why I'm depressed, because I'm just failing you. And then the voice behind me that says, this is the way to go walk in it, rose up from inside me. And I was like, no, this is not the character of God. The character of God would never kick me when I am down. That he would take me by the hand and he would lead me and he will help me. And any voice that is saying otherwise, whether it comes from me speaking negatively to myself or someone outside of my person speaking it over me is not the Lord. And I rebuke it and I break its power in Jesus' name. I am a child of God and I will behave like one and I will accept love like one. And so church, as we, as we close, as we move into communion, I want us to think that way. I want us to ask God to adjust our hearts so that we can be so connected that the voice we're hearing is easily distinguished, God from not. And we can walk in his ways with confidence. Can you stand with me as we go into a time of communion? Now, communion is, is a connection point, right? At its very core, it's a time to recenter our hearts on the work of God on the cross, the work of Jesus on the cross, his life, his death, his resurrection. And so as we come into that time, the Bible instructs us to think about um, maybe people we need to forgive or things we need to kind of do business with God about. Maybe people we need to seek forgiveness from. And so before we take communion, I'm going to give us a second just to search our hearts. Say, God, is there something you want to show me? The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this when you drink it and think of me. Let's take the cup. And whenever we do this, we proclaim the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ until he comes again. So the worship team is going to lead us in a song. I'd like to ask the prayer team people to come forward. And if as we were talking today, as we were in worship during the message, you feel like there's a place where God wants to connect with you in a different way. If there's something you need to discern with God about, you need his voice. If there's something you feel like is blocking you from feeling him around you. If there are voices, kind of yours or others, in your life that are telling you things that are contrary to the love and the purpose of God in your life. And you want someone to pray for you that he will break that off of you. I'd like to encourage you during this song, come forward, get prayer. Let's, let's do this together. Let's get healthy together. Let's remember God in our everyday together. Jeremy, will you lead us?